0: In United States constitutional law, a due process clause is found in both the 5th and 14th Amendments to the United States Constitution, which prohibits arbitrary deprivation of life, liberty, or property by the government except as authorized by law. The U.S. Supreme Court interprets these clauses broadly, concluding that they provide three protections—procedural due process, in civil and criminal proceedings, substantive due process, a prohibition against vague laws, and as the vehicle for the incorporation of the Bill of Rights. Text The clause in the Fifth Amendment to the United States Constitution provides. No person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property, without due process of law. The clause in Section 1 of the Fourteenth Amendment to the United States Constitution provides. Nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property, without due process of law. Background. Clause 39 of Magna Carta provided. No free man shall be seized or imprisoned or stripped of his rights or possessions, or outlawed or exiled, or deprived of his standing in any other way, nor will we proceed with force against him, or send others to do so, except by the lawful judgment of his equals or by the law of the land. The phrase due process of law first appeared in a statutory rendition of the Magna Carta in 1354 during the reign of Edward III of England, as follows. No man of what state or condition he be, shall be put out of his lands or tenements nor taken, nor taken taken to mean arrested or deprived of liberty by the state, nor disinherited, nor put to death, without he be brought to answer by due process of law. Drafting. New York was the only state that asked Congress to add due process language to the U.S. Constitution. New York ratified the U.S. Constitution and proposed the following amendment in 1788. O person ought to be taken imprisoned or deceased of his freehold, or be exiled or deprived of his privileges, franchises, life, liberty or property but by due process of law. In response to this proposal from New York, James Madison drafted a due process clause for Congress. Madison cut out some language and inserted the word without, which had not been proposed by New York. Congress then adopted the exact wording that Madison proposed after Madison explained that the Due Process Clause would not be sufficient to protect various other rights. Although I know whenever the great rights, the trial by jury, freedom of the press, or liberty of conscience, come in question in that body, the invasion of them is resisted by able advocates, yet their Magna Carta does not contain any one provision for the security of those rights, respecting which the people of America are most alarmed. Interpretation. Scope. The Supreme Court has interpreted the due process clauses in the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment identically, as Justice Felix Frankfurter once explained in a concurring opinion. To suppose that due process of law meant one thing in the Fifth Amendment and another in the Fourteenth is too frivolous to require elaborate rejection. In 1855, the Supreme Court explained that, to ascertain whether a process is due process, the first step is to examine the Constitution itself, to see whether this process be in conflict with any of its provisions. Also in 1855, the U.S. Supreme Court said, The words, due process of law, were undoubtedly intended to convey the same meaning as the words, by the law of the land, in Magna Carta. In the 1884 case of Hurtado v. California, the court said. Due process of law in the refers to that law of the land in each state which derives its authority from the inherent and reserved powers of the state exerted within the limits of those fundamental principles of liberty and justice which lie at the base of all our civil and political institutions, and the greatest security for which resides in the right of the people to make their own laws, and alter them at their pleasure. Due process also applies to the creation of taxing districts, as taxation is a deprivation of property. Due process typically requires public hearings prior to the creation of a taxing district. State. Due process applies to U.S. territories, although they are not states. Person. The due process clauses apply to both natural persons as well as to legal persons, that is, corporate personhood, as well as to individuals, including both citizens and non citizens. The Fifth Amendment due process was first applied to corporations in 1893 by the Supreme Court in Noble v. Union River Logging. Noble was preceded by Santa Clara County v. Southern Pacific Railroad in 1886. The Due Process clauses also apply to non-citizens who are within the United States, no matter whether their presence may be or is unlawful, involuntary or transitory, although the U.S. Supreme Court has recognized that non-citizens can be stopped, detained, and denied past immigration officials at points of entry, for example at a port or airport, without the protection of the Due Process Clause because, while technically on U.S. soil, they are not considered to have entered the United States. Life. In Bucklew v. Preside, 2019, the Supreme Court held that the due process clause expressly allows the death penalty in the United States because the 5th Amendment, added to the Constitution at the same time as the 8th, expressly contemplates that a defendant may be tried for a capital crime and deprived of life as a penalty, so long as proper procedures are followed. Liberty. The US Supreme Court has interpreted the term liberty in the due process clause broadly. Although the court has not assumed to define liberty with any great precision, that term is not confined to mere freedom from bodily restraint. Liberty under law extends to the full range of conduct which the individual is free to pursue, and it cannot be restricted except for a proper governmental objective. State actor. The prohibitions, generally, of the due process clauses apply only to the actions of state actors, and not against private citizens. However, where a private person is acting jointly with state officials in a prohibited action, they are said to be acting under the color of the law for the purposes of 42 U.S.C. Section 1983. While private actors are not generally held to the actions of private citizens, it remains that private citizens may be held criminally liable for a federal felony or misdemeanor, if they conspire with the government to commit actions which violate the due process clauses of the Constitution. Procedural Due Process. Procedural Due Process requires government officials to follow fair procedures before depriving a person of life, liberty, or property.  § 657 When the government seeks to deprive a person of one of those interests, procedural due process requires the government to afford the person, at minimum, notice, an opportunity to be heard, and a decision made by a neutral decision-maker. This protection extends to all government proceedings that can result in an individual's deprivation, whether civil or criminal in nature, from parole violation hearings to administrative hearings regarding government benefits and entitlements to full-blown criminal trials. The article Some Kind of Hearing Written by Judge Henry Friendly created a list of basic due process rights that remains highly influential, as to both content and relative priority. These rights, which apply equally to civil due process and criminal due process, are 1. An unbiased tribunal. 2. Notice of the proposed action and the grounds asserted for it. 3. Opportunity to present reasons why the proposed action should not be taken. 4. The right to present evidence, including the right to call witnesses. 5. The right to know opposing evidence. 6. The right to cross-examine adverse witnesses. 7. A decision based exclusively on the evidence presented. 8. Opportunity to be represented by counsel. 9. Requirement that the tribunal prepare a record of the evidence presented. 10. Requirement that the tribunal prepare written findings of fact and reasons for its decision. Civil procedural due process. Procedural due process is essentially based on the concept of fundamental fairness. For example, in 1934, the United States Supreme Court held that due process is violated if a practice or rule offends some principle of justice so rooted in the traditions and conscience of our people as to be ranked as fundamental. As construed by the courts, it includes an individual's right to be adequately notified of charges or proceedings, the opportunity to be heard at these proceedings, and that the person or panel making the final decision over the proceedings be impartial in regards to the matter before them. To put it more simply, where an individual is facing a deprivation of life, liberty, or property, procedural due process mandates that he or she is entitled to adequate notice, a hearing, and a neutral judge. The Supreme Court has formulated a balancing test to determine the rigor with which the requirements of procedural due process should be applied to a particular deprivation, for the obvious reason that mandating such requirements in the most expensive way for even the most minor deprivations would bring the machinery of government to a halt. The court set out the test as follows. Identification of the specific dictates of due process generally requires consideration of three distinct factors. First, the private interest that will be affected by the official action second, the risk of an erroneous deprivation of such interest through the procedures used, and the probable value, if any, of additional or substitute procedural safeguards, and, finally, the government's interest, including the function involved in the fiscal and administrative burdens that the additional or substitute procedural requirement would entail. Procedural due process has also been an important factor in the development of the law of personal jurisdiction in the sense that it is inherently unfair for the judicial machinery of a state to take away the property of a person who has no connection to it whatsoever. A significant portion of U.S. constitutional law is therefore directed to what kinds of connections to a state are enough for that state's assertion of jurisdiction over a non-resident to comport with procedural due process. The requirement of a neutral judge is introduced a constitutional dimension to the question of whether a judge should recuse himself or herself from a case. Specifically, The Supreme Court has ruled that in certain circumstances, the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment requires a judge to recuse himself on account of a potential or actual conflict of interest. For example, in Caperton v. A. T. Massey Coal Company, 2009, the court ruled that a justice of the Supreme Court of Appeals of West Virginia could not participate in a case involving a major donor to his election to that court. Criminal Procedural Due Process In criminal cases, many of these due process protections overlap with procedural protections provided by the Eighth Amendment to the United States Constitution, which guarantees reliable procedures that protect innocent people from being executed, which would be an obvious example of cruel and unusual punishment. An example of criminal due process rights is the case Vitek v. Jones, 1980. The Due Process Clause of the Fourteenth Amendment requires certain procedural protections for state prisoners who may be transferred involuntarily to a state mental hospital for treatment of a mental disease or defect, such protections including written notice of the transfer, an adversary hearing before an independent decision-maker, written findings, an effective and timely notice of such rights. As established by the District Court and upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court in Vitek v. Jones, these due process rights include. 1. Written notice to the prisoner that a transfer to a mental hospital is being considered. 2. A hearing, sufficiently after the notice to permit the prisoner to prepare, at which disclosure to the prisoner is made of the evidence being relied upon for the transfer and at which an opportunity to be heard in person and to present documentary evidence is given. 3. An opportunity at the hearing to present testimony of witnesses by the defense and to confront and cross-examine witnesses called by the state, except upon a finding, not arbitrarily made, of good cause for not permitting such presentation, confrontation, or cross-examination. 4. An independent decision-maker. 5. A written statement by the fact-finder as to the evidence relied on and the reasons for transferring the inmate. 6. Availability of legal counsel, furnished by the state, if the inmate is financially unable to furnish his own, a majority of justices rejected this right to state-furnished counsel, and 7. 7 effective and timely notice of all the foregoing rights the text of this podcast is sourced from the wikipedia foundation under a creative commons attribution share alike license the written text has been altered for voice presentation to view the modified and original text versions visit the legalpages.com the content of this podcast is presented for informational purposes only and is not intended to be legal or professional advice The Wikipedia Foundation is not affiliated with this podcast.